0: What is it like to be the guy who trades for a surefire first-ballot Hall of Famer who has led the Green Bay Packers to a Super Bowl title and bring him to the Big Apple? Has that ever happened before? There is literally only one person who can answer that question, and he's with us now. Do I get to call Mike Tannenbaum, our friend? He's been on a bunch. He's always been great to us.
1: I don't know exactly where he lives. Yeah, you don't know where he lives. I I have an idea where he lives. So I know he's on the East Coast.
0: Uh, And Mike's thinking, why the hell are they asking where I live? Uh, Because, Mike, uh, I reached out to our mutual friend, Trey Wingo, and I had to admit that I don't know where he lives these days. And then they question whether we were friends with Trey anymore. You, on the other hand, we're thrilled to have you. How are you today?
2: Doing great, guys. Appreciate you having me.
0: All right. What's it like to trade for a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback from the Green Bay Packers and bring him to the New York Jets? Because sounds like you might have company in that group of people who've done it if things keep trending the way they are, Mike.
2: Yeah. You know, for us, it was uh, obviously a great opportunity at the time for the Jets. And we actually had a built in advantage that. At the time, uh, the great late Ted Thompson and John Schneider didn't want him to go to the NFC. He re- Brett really wanted to play for the Buccaneers, and John Gruden, who was at that point the head coach of the Bucs, and it was close to home in Mississippi, so we had that going for us. And then it was uh, Brian Dayball, Brian Schottenheimer, Eric Mangini, and myself that worked really hard to get to know Brett over three weeks and convinced him that, hey, yo, you come to the Jets, you're going to play uh, football in the greatest city in the world, the biggest city in the world, but where you live and practice every day is actually not in Times Square. And uh, once we kind of worked through some issues, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to get them. And, you know, I don't know if this situation is completely analogous. Obviously, there are some overlaps, but um, I think for me the biggest thing in this one, guys, is I really would want to make sure that I was having Aaron Rodgers for more than one year. Mm.
1: Yeah. Mike, can you kind of take us inside? Because the combine, we all know that's where – you guys will talk to agents and start getting a good idea of what the market's going to be and all this other stuff, but how does this go? Because people are asking us. That means the Packers had to give permission, if this report from Trey and others is true, that the Jets have been talking with Aaron. You have to go through that process where you talk. Do you talk compensation before you even get into the conversation of talking to Aaron if he's going to come, or can you kind of take us inside how you think this scenario is played out?
2: Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's really parallel tracks, and I think you're bringing up, like, to me, what's probably going to be the most consequential issue, which is I would structure Aaron Rodgers' contract. Well, if it's $60 million, you know, I think that's a little bit of a premium, but it's Aaron Rodgers. So let's say you agree it's $60 million. I do want some protection in year two that, um, you know, it's $120 million for two years, let's say, but it may be $30 in year one and ninety in year two, just to know that he's there next year. Because, what you don't want from the Jets' perspective is, you know, let's say you give up, you know, this year's first-round pick. You don't want no player and no pick, you know, come next year. So um, that's, you know, a, a real challenging situation. And I know, like in our our case, we did have some sort of like protection in the trade for the Packers, meaning if we went to the Super Bowl, it could have gone up. But we felt like if we had to give up a third-round pick on a one-year deal, that wasn't ideal, guys, but something you could live with.
0: So, Mike, when you think back to that time when you made that trade, you know, Favre was coming off a really good 2007 season. Obviously, he had thrown the interception against the Giants in the NFC Championship game, and he had retired and then unretired. Rodgers, this is where one of the spots where it's not completely analogous. He was great in 2020 and 2021, and then last year, for whether it's the injuries, young players around him, whatever it was, not as good. If if you're evaluating him now to decide whether to acquire him, how does your thought process look and what are the pros and cons that you have to consider cuz we know he's a hall of famer, but last season was not hall of fame caliber Rodgers.
2: Yeah, no, no, it's totally fair. You know, I think if you're the Jets you look at what, what are your options? You know, Cars off the board. Um, you know, there's certainly going to be Jimmy Garoppolo out there and then you know the the draft certainly has some intriguing players, but um, you know, a lot of these decisions are within a context, which is you hope he plays better. You hope you can protect them. You know, their offensive line has a lot of questions. They have a number of free agents. Um, if I was Aaron Rodgers, candidly, I'd be as concerned about their O line as anything. You know, the, the natural of Nathaniel Hackett there, you know, is an obvious one. But that would be a concern: can we pr- protect this guy? Um, and then, obviously, you know, what happens in a year. Or so, um, and you, you just you know, give up a top whatever it was, two-pick two years ago for Zach Wilson. So, you know, you're, you're really saying, like, you know, that ship has sailed. So if I'm the Jets, this is certainly an all-in move if I do it. And I think for Rodgers, the other the, – one other spot to me that always made sense was the Raiders. You know, the obvious reunion with Devontae Adams, but you're with a quarterback coach in our uh, Joshua Daniels, who's obviously had a great run with Tom Brady. And if I'm Rodgers, that's, you know, another situation I'm looking at.
1: Mike if you put yourself in Brian Gutekunst's shoes for a minute though you make that draft pick and now you're in this position just like we know Ted Thompson when he had to sign that card to trade Brett Favre to you he paused and he said it really weighed on him how are you looking at this from Gooty's standpoint are you looking at it I want to get him I want to get as much back for him as I can or if you could trade him to the Carolina Panthers to get more do you have you have to be concerned? You're letting this guy out of your building for really an unknown. How would you look at this from a mental standpoint if you were Goody?
2: Yeah, look, I've been there with, with tough decisions. You know, not, none of them are easy. But what I would say is, like, if you believe in your process, again, fundamentally, like you traded up for Jordan Love and felt good enough about that to give up a fourth round pick. Um, you know, the word at the combine was everyone is hearing how much more. He's improved how much Green Bay likes him. And I think if you're Brian, you have to say to yourself, like, look, I really made this decision three years ago. Like, I, when I signed these trade papers, you know, that's just the formality. That's crossing the T's and dying. Eyes. I made this decision when we traded up for Jordan Love, and if you believed in Jordan Love then, you know, that's your future. You know, and I, it's a hard decision, but it sounds like it's the appropriate one.
0: Talking with Mike Tannenbaum on Wilde and Tausch. Mike, you just said you had to make a bunch of tough decisions during your tenures in multiple places. Um, The risk here is that you're wrong and you get yourself fired in a couple of years, right? And Rodgers goes to New York and succeeds. Been
2: been there, done that, (laughs) yep.
0: So so that goes back to what you said about process. You have to trust your gut, and if you're wrong and you end up unemployed, so be it? Is that what you have to be willing to do as a GM?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Look, you know, I, I had the privilege of running two different NFL teams. You know, one I was at place for sixteen years, the other one for four. And um, you know, when you sit in those seats, you you say like, "Hey, we're here to win a championship." You know, we're out here to try to go middle of the road. And you know, it's you know what you're signing up for. These are not, you know, ironically, you know, Ron Wolf's one of the very few that retired in the job he had. But you know far and few between people retiring these jobs. You just, you work them for as long as you can do the best job you can do what you think is right. Not popular. Um, you know, because public sentiment is going to turn on you regardless of what you do the moment. There's a bump in the road. Um, you have to have like rare mental toughness, resiliency. You got to be able to deal with adversity. You got to ignore the noise and, and hope that the owner is aligned with what you're doing. And knowing that, um, you're going to be leaving the door, well, be- leaving the building, well before you know the owner is. Yeah, yeah,
1: Mike, I was just going to ask you about the ownership piece. Of this obviously, Green Bay is owned by the team. They have uh, their process, but you have Woody Johnson, who you know well. How much of this is coming from? We've heard how excited Woody Johnson was about getting a veteran quarterback. Without saying a name, we all kind of assumed it was Aaron Rodgers. How much of that plays into what kind of compensation you're going to give up, and how? How much you're willing to pull the trigger to get Aaron to New York coming from the ownership.
2: Yeah, look, when you make a decision like this, you're sitting right between your owner and your head coach and you gotta be aligned and say, Hey, look, like we really don't want to give up a first round pick, but are we comfortable giving up our one and having no player next year? Um, because if we are, let's just remember this conversation where we're trying to either, you know, resurrect Zach Wilson or we're, you know, going in another direction. So Um, You really need the owner to be on board. Now, to what extent he's driving it, like, obviously I'm not in the building right now, but, um, you know, I will say, like, he was a very supportive owner. Um, He cared. uh, And, like, that's, to me, like, all you could ask for. All
0: right, Mike, last thing so we can let you go because we appreciate your time. Um, I have wondered at times how good of a GM Goody is, how how good of a head coach Matt LaFleur is because they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. You made all kinds of great moves during your time with the Dolphins and with the Jets as a personnel guy. But if you don't get the quarterback spot right or you get it really wrong, no one ever thinks you're a great GM if you get it wrong. And you might be a great GM, and you might not deserve that title, but you got the quarterback spot right. Is it that? Does it come down to that more than anything else to succeed on your side of the business? Is that what it really comes down to? Get quarterback right. And I got a good chance to be remembered as being great.
2: Yeah, it's a big factor. And and really, if I'm them, I'm thinking over the next three to five years, you know, can Jordan Love be better than Justin deals and Jared Goff? Um, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to graduate here at some point. So really, like, it's all about winning your division. You win your division, you got a chance to win a championship. And let's face it, you know, the NFC North is a division of transition right now. Uh, most notably with your guy at quarterback, but that's really the lens you got to think about is, you know, how good is Jordan Love compared to those guys? And candidly, like I think he compares favorably. I think he's an improved player. I liked him. I think the fact that he's sad is tremendous. And uh, you know, I'm optimistic about it. Now, it's easy for me to say that because I'm not pulling the trigger. But they're going to have to make this decision, you know, sooner than later.
0: Mike, we appreciate you. You're the best. Thanks, man.
2: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna head back home here to the, to the n- northeast.
0: <laughs> 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 Say hi to Trey Wingo on your way by. All right. That yeah, is... I
2: will. All right. See you guys.
0: <laughs> that is our friend Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN and the 33rd team. Uh, interesting at the end what he said there about the division and transition. If you're going to make a change, um, hoping that Jordan Love is better than Justin Fields and Jared Goff, maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance that he is, and you still win your division. I don't know.
1: Well, and again, it makes making this move easier in the fact that what you just said about the quarterback making the general manager and the coach look good and everything else, it makes making this move a lot easier when you don't win an MVP and you don't make the playoffs. That's what's left this door open. I keep asking myself what's changed, why? And it keeps coming back to what my buddy texts me the day after the Lions game. And that's what is moving this thing forward. And that's where Goody and everybody that examined the season after or examined everything that happened throughout the season this off season, we weren't good enough and we're paying Aaron Rodgers premium dollars. And when you're not doing that and you have somebody you feel comfortable moving forward with, it makes making this big move easier to swallow. But it doesn't mean it's the right medication.
0: Is that an analogy?
1: No. I'm. Uh, it's not a Nortmanism. It's not
2: a Nortmanism. It's not.
0: It's a metaphor. It's a simile. More next.
1: It's Will D.